Hey guys, welcome back to the Cloud's Bucket Podcast. Tanner Dimwing here with y'all as always. Recording here on a Monday afternoon. Slightly warm outside. High uh, high 50s today here in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, I got shorts on for the first time in maybe two, three weeks. In the 30s on the weekend. That's just how it is here. Up and down, up and down. But to the lacrosse, NLL rosters being announced today. A couple still falling in here as we record on a Monday. Um, no surprises at all. Um, no, I, I will say a couple American guys that uh, was good to see on there. I know Joe Nardella made the roster in, was that New England, I believe? Yeah, New England. Um, and then... Alex Woodall made a roster spot. Don't uh, remember where he made a roster spot at. Was it New York? Might have been New York. He made a roster spot there. Um, and I'll link an article I've down in the uh, half up when this post um, that goes through every roster. Uh, every active roster, just every team has announced it. Thus far, uh, trying to find where he is, uh, Alex Woodall. So Joe Nardella made it in New England. And yeah, it's uh, New York. Alex Woodall made it there. So two face-off guys, uh, American face-off guys. There, um, nobody really on like surprising on the holdout list right now. Uh, no, like huge, huge names, um, and many that I, no, there's no surprises today. No surprises today in these roster. Announcements at all. Um, kind of how it usually is. Um, I will say this. I think Philadelphia only has one of their draft picks actually still with a team, which is kind of like... And I gave them a pretty bad draft grade because of how many like Americans with no box experience they got. And like they honestly, like they honestly, they were terrible last year. They need some help, and like they went and got these silly. I mean, I don't even know, like the Jordan Krug thing from Eastern Philly played at Cabrini, won a D three national championship, gets drafted, and like the NLL had a feature article on him on the website, and like, uh, it's it was. No, they release him, and I mean, you know, Matt Lambert was one thing, and he's done fairly well for himself. But to get these dislikes, make these silly draft picks, is just I, I just don't understand it. To be honest with you, 
Um, but no surprises really in the NLL roster release day, um, or active roster releases, I should say. Um, now, we'll talk a little bit about NLL at the end of this podcast, but uh, first starting off here, want to start off by saying, you know, uh, I don't know if you follow us on social media. I put it on Instagram and Twitter, Facebook as well. Um, we are accepting um, new writers or uh, podcasters as well. You know, hop on here um, and kind of assembling a team, if you will. Um, or you have multiple, multiple, multiple um messages like um on every different social media platform we got emails coming in um like almost every hour so um starting to assemble that team here to kind of take things to the next level um as you know i started this website in 2017 um really started doing it more seriously in 20 in February of 2018 when the college season started and that year the NLL didn't start till January anyway so it was kind of the start like beginning of both seasons there when I started really doing things um, and uh, just, just built it up from there I uh, had someone who helped uh, contribute a little bit last year um, just was um, doing was it one article a week? I think it was, um, for the college season, and uh, but mostly he's been myself doing it. Um, we'll have some new people joining in probably next week. Uh, talking to him, still in discussions with people about you know what um, they want to do, what we can do. Um, ideas, uh, bouncing off people and all of that. So, um, should be exciting. Uh, listening out there, you want to contribute in any way, um, anything like that, just hit us up on social media at will cause bucket email will cause bucket at gmail.com. Or on the contact thing on crossbucket.com. Contact us. Form on there. Hit us up that way as well. I've been open to anyone who wants to help uh, join the team and help contribute. Um, Don't have to be in the United States. Can be up in Canada, Mexico, any. Anyway, I've had people from Asia uh, reach out as well. Um, just across people from all the co- all corners of the globe. Uh, one help go the game and uh, you know, bring the game some good light. So uh, if uh, you want to do that, just send us send us an email across bucket at gmail.com. Again, the contact tab on the website or on social media at across bucket. 
Now, to the news and notes of this week. Now, I'm recording on a Monday, so anything like after this, I'm not going to get, obviously. But uh, North Carolina has announced their schedule. The first ACC school to announce their schedule. I get excited about that because that's when you kind of know. Big Ten schools have done it a little bit in ACC as well. But when ACC and Big Ten schools start to release their schedules, you start to see some of the big matchups and you know, you know what are going to be the big weeks during the season. Um, and we obviously, you know, the last week of the season, the Big Ten does that rivalry week. Um, if you want to say Penn State and Rutgers is a rivalry along with Ohio State and Michigan is is up to you and Maryland and Johns Hopkins, that's up to you. But they promote it as that, I should say. The conference does at least. UNC Duke will be March 26th. Excited for that one. March 21st, UNC and Maryland. That 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 that'll be a big one. Um, UNC and Georgetown. And this is interesting. This is interesting. I went and looked back at the uh, archives or whatever. UNC and Georgetown haven't played since the first year that UNC had a team in 1952. Um the program is actually cut after that and picked up like two or three years later, but UNC and Georgetown haven't played since UNC's first season of lacrosse back in 1952. That That's pretty wild. That's pretty wild. And there was something similar last year with Lehigh and Virginia. I think it was like... 1912 or something. It was in the 19-teens. And, you know, you look at that, and then you look at the schools that had lacrosse back then. There, like, it wasn't, there weren't 75 like there are now at the Division One level. Like, yeah, you know, Washington and Lee and uh, some of those schools played in Division One because it wasn't the NCAA and they were at that level. But still, there weren't that many teams around. So you would think that, Two teams that have been around fairly a long time. Lehigh was one of the first schools to actually have lacrosse back in the late 1880s. So you would think that a school like Lehigh and Virginia, both very storied lacrosse programs, would have played each other, you know. But no, they had never played um, until last season was the first ever time, the first ever meeting, I believe. It was either the first meeting or the first meeting since like 19 something. I'm not going to go back and look that up, but um, yeah, so similar situation here with UNC and Georgetown, first meeting since 1952. A um, couple other games I do want to mention here the Johns Hopkins UNC game at Hopkins this year on February 22nd. Last year was played in that mud, mud. It was muddy. Up to the knees, like it was. I, I honestly don't know how UNC allowed them to play that game because that was before the state, the lacrosse stadium, the new lacrosse stadium was finished, and so they're playing on the football field. And UNC's football field is real grass, and they tore that thing up so bad, so bad. 
Um, it it was it was actually it was it was like pretty terrible. And I honestly don't know how you would pick up a ground ball there, how you would shoot the ball after picking up a ground ball in mud. You know how you would even run. It it was pretty brutal in terms of the conditions they played in. Um, Denver on the on the first of March this year. That's always a big early season matchup that I look forward to. And then, you know, the usual UNC schedule, three cupcakes, Hopkins, and Denver. Um, or two of the next games there is usually how it goes. Uh, they mentioned Maryland, the Duke game on the 26th. So y'all can circle your calendars for those two back-to-back weeks, actually, Maryland and Duke. Uh, should be an exciting one, exciting couple games there. Um, and then that UNC-Notre Dame game is the last weekend of the season, and that's going to have some pretty big implications on the ACC tournament, um, possibly the NCAA tournament as well. Notre Dame-UNC are kind of projected, uh, air quotes, projected to be the lowest teams in the ACC. And honestly, if you're the lowest team in the ACC, and you got a 500 record, that's against the competition that you play and you're a tough non-con schedule, that's that's pretty good for many schools. For, for, for many schools, that's pretty good. But UNC, obviously, you know, they've been a practical disgrace since, well, that 2016 national title. And they honestly weren't much better that year either. Um... And like I honestly like I mean, that team was great and all, but I would say you know 2016, 2016 was like the twenty set was like the two thousand seven college football season. Like there was never a constant top team. You had like what was it in two thousand seven Kansas could have gone to the BCS championship somehow. Um, USF was like number two in the country at one point, and you had. All this movement all over the place. West Virginia was good. You had all over the place. Kind of similar to that 2016 season. So, like, you know, with that Brown team, that was very good. And UNC and Maryland. And uh, what I call the greatest save of all time from Kyle Bone War against UNC in that championship game. Um, That was fantastic. That saved it kind of to help go to overtime, I believe if I don't remember correctly. Um, moving on to some other news and notes here. Um, in the college game, before we get into NOL season preview stuff. So, Peter Milliman and the University of Cornell, Cornell University, have been named in a lawsuit um, for negligence. This is actually kind of... It's not funny, but it's funny, because I've never heard of this ever so there's a woman that claims that her and her husband were parked outside of the Shokop field. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Um, in August of 2017. And they were either getting in or getting out of their car or whatever, or walking in the parking lot. And a ball bounced out of the stadium and hit her in the head. Um, she apparently suffered some injuries. Um, apparently, 
They are um, life-changing injuries. Um, her husband has suffered uh, dealing with her injuries as well. She had neck pain and all this kind of stuff. Uh, what you would expect from getting hit in the head with a... I don't know if it was a shot or an aired pass or, or what. Like, it doesn't say in the court documents. It just says was hit in the head by a ball. And it says that she sustained, like, life-altering type injuries. And I'm like... Like, so first of all, like, okay, that's that's serious, but, like, I've never heard of anyone sustaining serious injuries from getting hit in the head with a shot. We know George Boyardi got hit in the heart with a shot and died. Um, so they got the hard uh, hat, number 21, at Cornell. Um, one of the toughest dudes ever played the game. Uh, there's a book, uh, How to Be a Great Teammate, talking all about all about uh, George Boyardi. Um, and, I mean, we know that can happen. But, like, I've never heard of anyone getting hit in the head with a ball. That's, you know, from a, far di- from a, a, a good deal of distance. Um, if you're talking about the stadium into the parking lot, um, you know, I don't know how close they were to the stadium parked, but, um, you know, but if the shot was coming from the other side of the field, yeah, that's, you know, to the fence, if they're parked right at the, right outside of the stadium, that's not too far of a distance. But if they're walking, they're, I don't know. Um, but it's, it, it's kind of funny because, and they said that they, the, the woman claims that, they didn't have the proper safety nuts nets up or whatever. They didn't have the backstops up. And it's fall ball. Um, I don't know. I don't even know what the heck to make of this. I mean, it, it'll probably just get... Cornell will probably give her a sum of money and to go away. Be, it It's honestly quite like... I don't even know. And they're apparently from California. Um... According to the Cornell Sun, um, they they have a child that goes to the school and they were there visiting. I don't even know. Um, but there's also been a second cause of action filed on the behalf of her husband. Um, states the incident uh, involving his wife has deprived him of the services, society's companionship, and consortium of his said spouse. That's literally what the lawsuit papers say. That's, I don't even know what the heck to make of it. Um, uh, it <coughs> excuse me. If, uh, as I mentioned, like, it's, it's funny to see it, but like, and I don't even know the full extent. No one knows the full extent. And I, I read and there was a one article that quoted the the attorney for the for the people for the woman and it said like it, 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 the guy basically said it's a it's a personal issue like it's it's a he said she said type thing and it's a personal issue not he said she said but it's a, it's a personal thing hit the head and I don't even know if if if, if Coach Millman or, was aware that a woman got hit in the head when they were practicing in, in August of 2017. I mean, it, 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 I mean, who knows? Um, 
moving on um, to the NLL. And this is what, this is what we're going to stay for the remainder of the podcast, looking at the NLL and the upcoming weekend. Uh, there were some preseason scrimmages this weekend. I, I, I really don't want to talk about those. Um, a lot of offense, again. Um, it's uh, in the last weekend of preseason scrimmages, last weekend of training camp. Not too much, not too, too much to take away from it um, in terms of uh, scores. And I've mentioned that in the past. But looking at the week ahead, the NLL starts play on Thursday, which is November 25th. I believe oh, it's November 25th today. November 29th. When they start play. Three games this weekend. Opening up the season, Saskatchewan and Colorado on November 29th at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Calgary and Vancouver at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. And then on Saturday night at 7 o'clock p.m., Georgia and Rochester 2.0, as many are calling them. Uh, and that one's in Rochester. So that'll be, yeah, that, that, that'll be exciting. To see how the new Rochester fans react to the new franchise, the, the new Nighthawks. Um, I'm just starting with this Saskatchewan game. I think this, I think there's two, there's like all of these games have interesting storylines to them. Um, Saskatchewan and Colorado, we, we all know the history there. That, that is a rivalry game. But this year, it's personal for Saskatchewan coming into the season because Colorado knocked out Saskatchewan in the first round of the playoffs division semifinals last season. That will um, take effect into this game. You also have mobile changes on the team. Uh, not as many for Saskatchewan. You know, they did trade Nick Billich, uh, Billich away. Uh, Jeff Cornwall, by the way, I, I will mention this, is on the short-term holdout list for Saskatchewan. He is going to play this season, uh, but he was out last year. Um, he's still out for at least... I don't know if he's going to play this weekend in Colorado, but he is out for um, maybe one or two three games, I, I, I would expect. Um, so it is uh, questionable you know, to exactly when they will get him back. Uh, but he is out for at least this game and probably multiple games down the road as well. Um, but I, I, I honestly, I'm, this is Saskatchewan Colorado game. I honestly can't see Saskatchewan losing this. And I wrote last week in an article about how this is a bounce back year for Saskatchewan. This is what this is like 2018. They're going to come in and they are going to assert their will and dominance on every single team they face. They want that championship back. They want to get back to there. This dynasty is not dead. This is Alabama 2018. This is Golden State. This is Golden State Warriors after they lost to the Cleveland Cavaliers. This is that kind of situation. This is that kind of situation. 
they will likely win this game, I think. It'll be close. It'll be close. Like, when I'm looking at this game, it'll be close. But I think Saskatchewan wins it. Maybe one or two. One or two goals. One or two goals um, to win this game. And, like, honestly, Saskatchewan, what I'm looking for, so what I'm looking for are both these teams. For Colorado, I'll start with them. I haven't haven't talked about Colorado much. For Colorado, I'm looking for them to start off good. If you start off with a loss, with one loss to Saskatchewan, that's a good loss. That's a very good team. Colorado has a couple new pieces uh, that they either got late last season or that they um, draftees they have or guys that are um, coming in the second year looking to continue this. And they have this youth movement that they've been dealing with, and not dealing with, but they've been pushing this youth movement there in Colorado. I think I think that's good, and I like the direction they're going in. But we saw last year the defense had some very, very difficult struggles. And to the guy on Facebook that keeps on messaging me about Dylan Ward needs to be cut or traded, you're an idiot. You, you're an idiot. Um, and really, everyone thinks that. Um, I've talked to other people as well. Please stop sending people messages that, or even commenting on on things that um, that that's that's inaccurate. He's one of the best, one of the best goalies in the game. Probably future Hall of Famer whenever the NFL Hall of Fame comes back. Um, but yeah, this is a West Divisional semifinal rematch. But it's also the start of the new season. So I'm looking for each team to kind of get into their own. But for Colorado, really looking for them to get off to a hot start because last year we saw them just get kind of like I didn't even know what I was watching for a lot of times. Um or a lot of times during the during the regular season and the early part of the season. It just didn't look like them. And doing what was sitting back in his net and the defense didn't look confident. And the defense started to get better, and the offense started to get better, and they ended up being Saskatchewan in the, in, in the playoffs. So I'm looking for them to put all the pieces together early, and really show that last year, while they did have some success late in the season, last year's bad start was kind of a fluke for Saskatchewan. I'm looking really at the defense again because I mentioned Jeff Cornwall will probably not be playing in that game. Nick Bilic is gone. I'm looking to see who steps up on that on that defense and kind of takes the role as not only the leader, but is that good he play on the defensive end. And they have plenty of guys that can do that. Also, I'm looking at Evan Kokel. He's looking um, after that injury late last season. Took a summer off to see how he looks um, after healing up. And if he is the same guy he was before he went down. And again, last year, because of some of the defensive changes, Evan Cook didn't have the best start in the year. So again, looking for him to start off uh, on a good note and see just how in tune he is after um, taking a summer off following an injury last season. I believe it was a groin injury, um, something like that. So, Looking for Evan Cook to bounce back. 
uh, strong after injury last season. Moving into the next game on the docket, which is Calgary and Vancouver. This is going to be a dogfight. Calgary and Vancouver will be a dogfight. And um, I say that for multiple reasons. One, Calgary has a, no, they are, they are the team that has, they have a mark on their back. Uh, they have a target on their back all season. They will, they do come in the season and they will argue. Because they're the defending champions. They have a target on their back. And their title defense starts on Friday. Against Vancouver. Um, That's just one reason. Another reason is... You look... like I know this has been mentioned before, but... I've I've even mentioned this before. Calgary and Vancouver have actually played against each other in openers many times before, like in recent history too. So, hold on, let's pull this up here. So, they have played. So, they've played three times since 2015 in the home opener. Um, and it's the second season in a row they've done that. Uh, they played in the home opener in 2015, 17, and 19. So three times before, this won't be the fourth uh, playing here in 2020 in the season opener. Also, in each of those past three openers, Vancouver has won including that insane contest last year that was a was it a one goal a one goal overtime finish i mean that was a game that was one of the best games of the year to be honest with you um and like neither team was really all completely there in terms of how good they played and it was it was a really good game. It was a really good game. Um, also, you have to look at the off season and kind of off season impacts of both of these teams. So, you look at Calgary. Yes, they're the defending champions, um, but they have multiple guys out, including these Dutch who was a revelation for them last season after being traded. Well, not even traded. Vancouver just released him. Calgary picks him up. I think that was the biggest offseason move. Like, besides Matt Vince going to Buffalo last offseason, the least Dutch thing to Calgary was probably the biggest offseason move. You know, and he helped lead them to a championship. Another one of those smacks in Vancouver's face. For Vancouver, you know, last season, they were terrible. Like, they've been terrible for the past two seasons. And I, 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 I really do. I really do. I believe this Vancouver team, I believe this is the year, maybe not the year they make, they, 
they um, put it all together completely. I don't want to make that more of a statement, but I think this is the year that they finally start to head in the right direction. Last year, there was all many changes. This year, I think, with the offseason moves they've made, getting Nick Bilich, I think one of the biggest offseason moves uh, for them to really bolster that defense was their defense. I, I wrote about this at the end of last season. It was terrible, and it was undisciplined. Like, they had so many penalties. They like That's the one thing I'm looking for them all season to clean up. Calgary, like, I don't think they're going to repeat. Just be, But again, I'll say this. They had a lot of guys missing this time last year. Curtis Dixon wasn't wasn't there. He was still holding out in contact, contract negotiations. He's back. Um, you had Jesse King was injured. And Jesse King, he's on the active roster as of right now, but I don't know how much we'll see of Jesse King uh, after him getting injured uh, late in the summer. Um, it's it's going to, um, I think a lot of it will, uh, will depend um, on himself and, you know, how he is. Um, just depends. Just depends. Uh, hope we do see Jesse King, but how much, um, I, I I don't know. Um, I know he wasn't there for all of training camp, so that I don't know if that will play a factor or not. Um, Lee's Dutch is out, as I, as I, as I mentioned, uh, which is a big fit, hit for them. So you have Dane Doby um, and, and many great guys on the offensive end, Christian Del Bianco. Um, you know, they did lose Riley Lowen. And Dan uh, McGray. And, like, they, they lost some pretty decent guys. But, you know, Calgary's still going to be Calgary. They're still a very, very good team. Uh, and just, I think this, this is a very interesting opener. Uh, very, very interesting opener for Calgary. And especially given... Um, the history of openers against Calgary and Vancouver. Next game up here. It's a new era in Rochester, fellas. The Rochester Nighthawks 2.0 is coming to town. Uh, they start playing on Saturday night against the Georgia Swarm. Who boasts a very fiery offense? Wow, Thompson, Randy starts, and like, I'll get into my picks later. But like, I I expect Georgia to come out, like, come into this game, kind of like I do with Saskatchewan, pretty pissed off. I do, um, pretty mad. Like, honestly, um, Georgia they lost in the playoffs last year. Similar to, it it wasn't much. It wasn't as much of like an ups an upset, so to speak, like Colorado was. I think anyone could see the writing on the wall there in Saskatchewan at the end of last year when Coke went down. That okay, this might not be the year. Georgia, on the other hand, like in like I'm picking Georgia and Saskatchewan to go to the to the finals this year. Because I think they're both playing mad this year. 
I think they're both playing mad for how their season ended last year. Uh, both ended really um, goalie injuries was a huge part of it for both of them. Now, Mike Poulin did come back. His injury was much lesser, but he did come back. Yeah, he came back, and he um he came back and he uh, he he led Peterborough um to a champion to a man cup this year uh this summer. But in the NFL, actually, like he did not end the end the season well, and the Georgia defense really like, and they got better throughout the year. It seemed like, and you had a lot of new faces on that back end, and I think that back end should be much much better this year with uh, guys having a year under the belt with each other. But when you you look at that back at that the defense last year, it progressed, and Poolin was always the heart of it. And he's always going to be the heart of that defense. He's the heartbeat. They move. They go as Pruin moves. Pruin was like, and the whole defense was really progressing really well. They started off kind of shaky, and which was expected. And they, they, you know, they, they were progressing very well. And then all of a sudden, like Pruin goes down against Calgary, and they just dropped terribly. You know, they collapsed against Philadelphia in the season. In the season fin- uh, finale at home, um, they just it just wasn't a good look, and you know they faced a really really good Toronto team um, to end the season in the playoffs, and that was not a good matchup for them, uh, especially with an injured Poulin. And um, you know just with that with the. Georgia side and all the talent they have and some of the things I'm looking for on that defensive end, which is really what I'm looking at. And then I'm also looking at um, on, on the left side. Is, is, is it was a little weak this year. I mean, you, you choose to protect Zed Williams over Holden Catoni. I don't know if I completely agree with that decision. I think Zed Williams probably has a higher ceiling um, than Holden Katoni in terms of like impact on a team. I think the Holden Katoni we saw last year in Georgia, that might be like he can certainly do much better than that, but I don't know that he's going to get that much better. And Zed Williams, as a young player, probably has a higher ceiling because he's a little bit younger. Holden Katoni is still a great player, one of the best shooters in the game. Um, and Katoni is on um, with uh, Rochester now, so that's another interesting dynamic in this game. Um, you see that a lot uh, no. in the league now with expansion teams, um, guys playing against the old team, either start the year, things like that. Um, and so, like, I've, I've mentioned the Georgia side, but I've only looked at the Rochester side. And, like, I mentioned like they do have Sean Evans, so and I like, I honestly like when I looked at this at, at this Rochester team, you look at it and you know you try to say to yourself like, uh, what does this team have? Do they have what you would maybe call it that that X factor or, or, or whatever that's that's needed to. Um, 
carry them to a to a playoff run to a championship. Um, I mean, with guys like Sean Evans and Holden Katoni and Dan Wittner, um running that offense, I think they like, that's a solid, solid group. And you got Lyle Reese in the uh, transition who uh, transitioned the guy, and he he's very, very good. So I think this is a good Rochester team. The only thing I will say about this Rochester team is that I think the offense may like, they went very heavy on the back end um, in the expansion draft. You got Steve Fryer, who should be the starter. Rylan Hartley and Craig Wendy also um, will be probably both given some uh, at least a decent shot to to play and make it make an impact in that. Um, Frank Brown is a guy, he's on the PUP list right now, but I think he's a guy um, as a transition player that has a chance to make an impact on this team if and when he comes back this season. Um, I don't know the extent of that injury, um, but when he does come back, I think he has a, has a, has a uh, chance to make an impact there. Um, though, like... Defensive end with like Paul Dawson, Matt Bennett, Dylan Evans, uh, Tyler Galton, Jay Thornbutt, and Doug Uding. Um, that's a pretty solid group there. And this is uh, this is a Rochester. Like I thought, Rochester won the expansion draft, and and I, they did very very well in the draft, getting Ryland Reese. Um, you know, but they didn't do too much. After that, which is, is is fine, and I'm just I'm interested to see how really like above all above all things, I'm just interested to see how this team clicks on both ends of the floor. Um, I mean, I do think like, the offense. A lot of people have been talking about you know Rochester's more of a, a little back end heavy um, in terms of talent, but when you look at Sean Evans holding Katoni. Those are two of the better guys in the league. Sean Evans one of the, is one of the best of all time. So that's a that's a that's a pretty solid get there for Rochester. Pretty solid get there. Um. So oh oh like this Rochester Georgia game, I think Georgia and I'm gonna go to my picks here in a second, but I think Georgia gets this one. Um, I don't know if it's gonna be a solid win, but. Because it is the first game of the season, and you saw Philadelphia and San Diego last year played fairly well in the openers. Um, Philadelphia lost, I believe, San Diego. San Diego win or not, I cannot remember, but they both did pretty decent in, this, in, in their openers. Um, so it should be a uh, exciting Exciting game there, um, and also, you know, with Rochester coming, you know, the new Nighthawks, um, see how those fans react. That should be a fun one to watch, and uh, keep the pulse on on Saturday night. Um, that one's at seven o'clock. So week one in the NLL, we have Saskatchewan and Joel, uh, I mean, Saskatchewan at Colorado. 
9.30 p.m. on Friday at 10 o'clock p.m., and this is all Eastern time. We have Calgary at Vancouver on Saturday. We have we have Georgia at Rochester, 7 o'clock p.m. Again, Eastern time. My picks for this game. And I'm, I'm going to try to keep a list of my picks all season and just kind of <clears throat> see where I land um, just for fun. So let's pull this up here real quick. Um, Saskatchewan and Colorado. I am, you know, and, and I've said this before. I said it. I think Saskatchewan and Colorado. Are, I think Saskatchewan's going to come out and win this game. But I think Colorado can keep it close. Um, I do want to mention Colorado's roster came out. A little bit ago, I'm recording this. Jeff Woodig is on the PUP list. I mentioned him as one of the guys. Potential breakout stars this season, but he will not be available. So that left side. Gonna be a little, even more thinner than we thought. So I'm looking at picks here. Saskatchewan versus Colorado, that Colorado, I should say. I'm picking Saskatchewan in this one. And I don't I don't think it's gonna be a blowout by any stretch. I think it will be a close one. Um you know, eh, it's it's gonna be an interesting one. Um, I think that's probably the most interesting matchup of the weekend, even though the the defending champs are playing, um, which is always a big thing in any sport. Um, I do think that is probably the most interesting matchup of the uh, weekend. Like, and anyway, we have a we have an expansion team playing their first game, and the champions playing their first game. But Saskatchewan and Colorado. Is probably the most interesting matchup. Personally, like to myself. Um, I don't know about y'all out there, but that is going to be one heck of a game. All of these games will be one heck of a game, and I keep on saying that. Calgary, Vancouver. I'm picking Calgary uh, in this one. I just think both sides have a lot of things they have to kind of um, iron out. And I think Calgary has a little bit less of that, if you will. So I think an edge because of that. But I certainly, like, there's certainly a possibility that Vancouver steals this one and gets their fifth um, season opener win since 2015 over the Calgary Roughnecks. And that'd be, that, that would be huge, huge, huge. For uh, Vancouver. Now for this uh, last game that I'm picking here, um, I gotta say it, like, you know, just so y'all know, got a little bit of a southern bias in me. Um, whenever I felt my NCAA bracket in basketball, 
um, unless it's illogical. I always pick the Southern team first. Um, same in my college football bowl bracket or bowl uh, picks. Always, always picking the Southern teams first. Uh, pretty much in everything. So I, I am going with Georgia in this one. Um, over Rochester. And, um, but Georgia has proven like over the past couple of years that season opening games might not always be the best or the prettiest. Even if they win, it might not be very pretty. Example, last year against New England. That was a New England team. Really that. At the beginning of the year, no one really thought much of. Um, They went on a little run, and oh, yay, they're going to go to the finals. No, didn't happen. Um, But Georgia, I think, does win this game. And, uh, like, I am a little bit worried because of how they've done in openers before. But I think this is a Rochester team. Even though they're very, very good and have a lot of talent, you're coming into your first game as a team. And there's always some learning, uh, a, a learning process with that. So taking Georgia in that one. So my picks for week one of the NLL season. The Saskatchewan Rush beat the Colorado Mammoth. The Calgary Roughnecks beat the Vancouver Warriors. The Georgia Swarm beat the Rochester Nighthawks. That is it for this week's Lacrosse Bucket podcast. As always, check us out lacrossebucket.com. On social media, at Lacrosse Bucket, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those things. Again, lacrossebucket.com. Well, it's always lacrosse season. Y'all have a great week. Enjoy the games this weekend.